0: To one, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Hello, how are we doing? Doing okay. You're doing okay. <laughs> how are you? I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine. I'm fine. I'm staying what? busy. Enjoying. The You're summer. very busy. I'm very busy. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a tan, so that's exciting. I've been tanner, but uh, it turns out I must get most of my tan at the beach. Wow, you haven't built up your. No, your, I don't have like my my, your my base big layer. base. Yeah. Okay. I mean I do, but I appreciate the, the more gentle buildup build up because I crisp. You are a much different. White the sun than touches I am. my skin. I. I the instance insta, insta- oh, wow. instacrisp, instacrisp instacrisp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's keep that for the viewers. Listeners. I, I use only the highest SPF, seventy lotions. I think I read it somewhere that it's like after like fifty. Yeah, None there's supposed to be an upper limit to the effectiveness of sunscreens. I have heard that, but I don't really know what. it but is But we're paying for that that seventy, that sweet sweet seventy SPF, just in case. <laughs> brightest white right here we actually podcast related yeah episode 50 yes we had our first guest risha allen Mm -hmm. and we actually spent last weekend in uh well a couple weekends ago at this point but we spent a weekend in July with her and her whole crew mm-hmm. in Nashville celebrating her 40th birthday. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So. so happy birthday to Risha, who led a really interesting discussion on banned books. Yeah. If you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. And is still serving as TikTok's music teacher. Yes. She's at on TikTok. Rish Dish Fish. So, Rish Dish Fish. Yeah. So we did that. We did come home in quarantine just to be safe. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we made it out. We did. So, but also we were pretty, we went to a lot of outside places in Nashville, but very busy still. So we're lucky. Yeah. We're at a weird point in the pandemic where people still care, but also don't. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like we're doing the best we can with our choices. Leaving the house. I mean, around here, nobody wears masks. Nobody. So it's just like, if you look at the effectiveness of mask Mm -hmm. wearing, if nobody else is doing it, it's uh, a little bit, you, you still in, you know, you still probably help yourself some small amount by wearing a mask, but it's mm-hmm. the community spread has really sure. helped when everyone pitches in. So we, we've never been in a, you know, this is not a part of the country where masks have ever been popular, let's just say. So um, But we've stuff been like doing... that, but yeah. But it's in a weird, we're in that weird in between time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you and I have just been, we do a lot of outside things just kind of intentionally um, and because it's nice out. Mm-hmm. So we've been hitting some of our favorite spots in Columbus and that's been nice. It's been a good way to, to manage, yeah. exposure, and I and just still you know, enjoy some some time for sure. I can't tell when we're all going to agree about what the new normal is, and when we decide it's normal. Uh, it's yeah. just figuring all of it out at a systems level. We've also been having a lot of fires in the backyard, yeah, and that's been really Camp, nice campfires, not I like just that. not just random. Oh, I am just burning explosions. scorched earth. Yeah, I am just burning my yard mm-hmm. just for fun. It's a controlled burn. It's good yeah. for the yeah. earth. Yeah. Anyways, that's kind of what we've been up to. Yeah. Okay. What are we, uh, what are we getting into this week? Do you want to take us down yeah. the road here? You, well, you kind of identified this topic. I just in following Twitter, which is, I think, the whole world. Anyways, I feel like I know what's happening in the world because I have Twitter. You know, I need nothing else. <laughs> there are no gray spots in Twitter. That's quite a lens um, through which to view. That's my summer view. No, I, well, Arizona recently has made the news. Ohio has recently made the news because everyone's talking about the teacher shortage. Yes, they, they sure are. And so I thought, why not? This is our chance. And we are in the thick of it in a lot of states right now. Yes. Trying to get enough coverage to start school, um, especially when some Southern schools start as soon as just two weeks from now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you may have heard that the entire workforce has shrunk by about, wait, what, what, 7% is what it looks like we found. Yeah. so So the workforce generally... Everyone is, everyone is complaining about worker shortages. So this is not unique to education, but there are some unique forces in education that are driving even higher attrition rates in the job market. Mm -hmm. So yeah, teachers are looking to leave. Yeah. We'll talk about why this is hitting education even harder than you might expect, but the whole entire workforce has shrunk by nearly 7%. There's this uh, economic policy institute study recently that said that, you know, there's fewer working people right Mm -hmm. now. Um, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. There was a yeah. Rand Corp survey last month sometime, I think, found about a third of teachers and principals said they were likely to leave their current Jeez. job by the end of the 2022 school year. There are some other studies that I've been reading that said half. So yeah. like, depending <laughs> yeah. on who you're polling and where, mm-hmm. there are a lot of teachers looking to leave right now. Well, another thing that impacts this is that from year to year in different states, for example, my dad left and retired from teaching Because of a Senate bill that was coming through that was going to change uh, the sick days and things like that, that he kept in retirement. So Mm -hmm. even from year to year, we do see those types of things affecting teachers. Yeah. But on top of that, then you have um, a pandemic and a lot of other factors that are in. And like you said, also just generally that the workforce has shrunk. There's a recent Boston Herald article that we found. We'll link to all of these. There's a whole bunch of articles. We're going to talk about statistics and stuff today, but we're going to link to this Boston Herald Herald article. They interviewed the American Federation of Teachers president, Randy Weingarten. Everyone's saying the same thing about what's going on, but the thought here is that, quote, teachers and school staff have been struggling for years with a lack of professional respect, inadequate support and resources, subpar compensation, untenable student loan debt, endless paperwork, and a culture of blame that weaponizes standardized Ooh. tests to attack public schools and public school teachers. And then came COVID. Yeah, it's just like the, you know. Correct, Randy. Yes. Uh, the whole straw that broke the camel's back, The COVID was the straw. Mm-hmm. So this, <laughs> I'm, this same article was talking about how 79% of teachers said they're dissatisfied with their working conditions, okay. according what? to this, that's to the rough That's a rough, that's, that's, a, large that's a bad number. time. That's a lot of people to be dissatisfied. So you, you think if you get, like, whatever, like 80% of any given company, if you had 80% of your, of workers, your workers unhappy that would with be. you, how you would you... You probably wouldn't be open. How would you even function? You probably wouldn't be. And look at teachers. And look at us. the work. So uh, there's an article called, here's what's driving the nationwide teacher shortage. <laughs> and it was from The Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and it's by Adam Barnes. Uh-huh. This is from April of 2022. So okay. keep in mind, I mean, we're trying to be as current as we can, but obviously uh, it's July of 22. So we are in the thick of hiring for most states. Um, sure. This is a last lastage effort at this point to try to cover. Um, but these are some of the points that uh, this article from The Hill noted. These are sort of, this is talking about kind of what's causing the shortage. Yeah. So it says that obviously burnout is still a driving force and... I read I read a lot of articles trying to research for this but it seems that the United States could be without as many as 500,000 teachers but I I saw the range anywhere from between 300,000 positions and 500,000 positions. I'm sure this is a difficult thing to track because it's people who are like maybe looking for a job right. who are saying they intend to leave teaching but who exactly. can't necessarily until they have found something else to move to. I'm sure that um, doesn't help. But it, it down. seems like we like the United States could be bracing for as many as half a million fewer teachers. Mm-hmm. And I would maybe not this year, like you said, but in the upcoming right. uh, you know, years. Um obviously like Chelsea said, COVID is <laughs> exacerbating this. So the NEA did a survey and they found that 55% of educators, regardless of age or years at the chalkboard, planned to leave earlier than expected. And they cited uh, pandemic-related stress. And 91% of them said that the pandemic had been had had become such a serious problem that it affected educators in the way that it has. And that it, as I think we'll probably keep saying over and over again, was just enough to push them past that point. hmm in that same survey from the NEA, 96% of educators uh, that participated in it supported increasing teacher salaries as a way to combat burnout. So we're back to funding education. Yeah, amazingly, when people make more money, they can do a better job because and they're, they're not as willing exhausted to stick with it. by the hustle. Yeah. But another interesting part of this is that the staffing crisis is actually compounded by a massive decline in undergraduate degrees in teaching or any sort of education program. So if you think about the general low pay and i say low pay in like quotes because as we know the average obviously is going to keep changing and it's also based on where you work and the size of your district and things like that but we'll get into pay disparity a little later but yeah. pay disparity is definitely driving teaching shortage it's like who wants to go invest you know, take on student debt in service of a degree that you know is going to underpay you by 15% for the to first your peers. 20 years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or no, beyond. I mean, beyond that, it doesn't just last for the first one. Like people are chronically underpaid throughout their entire careers as educators in this country. Mm-hmm. It's just not an attractive thing. Yeah. And so obviously, though, as we also talk about fewer people getting degrees, we're also talking about expanded opportunities for other people. And so one of the stats from this said that there was a recent report from the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, and it showed that the education degrees peaked at more than 200,000 per year in the 1970s, and now fewer than 90,000 were awarded in 2019. And so uh, this is kind of what I was referring to is that there are expanded opportunities. In other fields outside of teaching. Right, and women are finding, especially other professions to be working in. So the other part of that American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education report said that 36% of all bachelor's degrees that were earned by women in 1970 to 1971 were in education. In 2018 to 19, only 6% of bachelor's degrees were awarded to women in education right so we're seeing women do all kinds of jobs that they didn't used to do or weren't standard for women to do and so as i think most people could agree um education is a very female heavy profession in most places if you saw our download statistics uh, (laughs) it would confirm that by gender it would definitely confirm that it's so fascinating Uh, uh, A wide majority of our audience, I would say. It's women. So we have fewer people getting education degrees. Mm -hmm. We have fewer women, especially, getting education degrees, which is a great majority of the teaching population. And so all of those things combine on top of not being paid enough um, (laughs) and everything else that we have problems with as educators. And there just aren't enough of us to go around anymore. Mm -hmm. So. So let's bounce back to this quick discussion about pay, because there's a lot to unpack here, I think. There are some researchers at the Economic Policy Institute, and we're going to keep talking about that group throughout this, but the, the EPI Economic Policy, In- Policy Institute, a couple of research associates there, Lawrence Mitchell and Sylvia Allegretto, found that teachers' wages and compensation continue to be substantially below that of comparable workers. So when you adjust for education, experience, and demographic factors, Teachers earned weekly wages, In this is in 19, 1997, they earned wages 6% less than comparable workers. So that's, you know, Jeez. years ago. In 2019, the penalty was 19.2%. So we mm. went from a 6% wage gap to comparable workers to a 19.2% gap in 2019, which... Jeez. And that's a decrease from the wage penalty of 22% in 2018. So, like, you know, we made a little bit of improvement, but that's an insane gap. I mean, that's... It really is. Teachers, on average, usually enjoy better benefit schedules, which is one of the things you've talked about as a teacher. One of the things that you look for is a good, you know, good benefits because Mm -hmm. you're... That's what I get. Right. Your only hope is to make up the salary gap by having a good benefits plan, but the same studies found that... Although teachers, on average, enjoy better benefits packages than similar workers, uh, oh no, the benefits only mitigate part of the wage gap. So, oh. including benefits, teachers are still left with still left with a ten point two percent compensation gap. So it's not as good as I thought it was. Nope, nope, it's really not. That's what they're You're trying really to get you. Right? Well, they're <laughs> trying they're trying to get you to tell yourself, "Oh, it's fine. I have great benefits," but you un- unfortunately did not have benefits. To be that clear, are, I do not think it's fine. Uh, sure sure i just but mean it, i, just I mean do that accept that my i have good benefits it's but a, I, it's yeah. a hand wavy mm-hmm. illusion it is, is. is the point there. that's a good point. the better the better benefits <laughs> yes. do not offset smoking years, not at all <laughs> So, data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics shows the median pay for high school teachers in the U.S. in 2021 was $61,820. Median salary for kindergarten and elementary school in the same year was $61,350. Average starting teacher salary for the 1920 school year was $41,163. Yeah. I, I just. Mm-hmm. So this is like people from the NBA I, talking about this Teachers are just not paid adequately Everybody knows it, everybody talks about it Yeah, go ahead I I might have made that as a first year teacher Maybe Ugh, jeez It's not enough money, that's all there is to it It's just not enough money 41, like I, I think with my extra I probably was about there mm-hmm. Maybe just over But that was 9 years ago mm-hmm. So take that for what you will But just back to this EPI article, the wage penalty has grown among women. Uh, This is kind of important to note, so this is what we were talking about before. In 1960, female teachers earned 14.7% more than comparable female workers. So women used to be better compensated as educators. This is in 1960, though. However, fast forward to 2019. Oh, we're back to a 13.2% oh, gap. So close. we went from 14.7% more, more in earnings back to Almost 13.2 that. less. So I was the male feeling teacher better for a minute. What now? I was feeling better for a minute. No, no. Now I feel worse. Don't feel better. Okay. Only feel worse. Okay. Male teacher wage gap was 22.1% in 79 and improved to 15.1 in the mid 90s but worsened mm. in the late 90s and early 2000s. <sighs> it's at 30.2. No. Well, okay, so you have to keep in mind that Gosh. that wage gap really just represents the, the fact that the wage gap is so much higher for men in education just shows that the wage gap between men and women generally is so much high because the reason it's so much hi- it's so much higher for men is because men are so much better compensated than women generally outside of education. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man. Mhm. This is all bad. Mhm. Okay, well what else? <laughs> Go ahead and finish with the bad. My job is to depress you. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about what some states are doing a little bit. So this wage penalty thing for each state in the period of 2014 to 2019 of the eight states with the largest wage penalties, four of those are among... Uh, those were these big giant walkouts took place yes. in twenty eighteen. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember this. So it's like Arizona, Oklahoma, Colorado, and North Carolina are where these big walkouts happen, and that those wage gaps are at like thirty two percent, twenty nine percent, twenty nine percent, and twenty five percent respectively. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, teachers aren't just making noise just to ha- have a yeah. good time and get no. together and protest. Like, I'm not just, just hanging out. These places in particular, and some of these places are going to be...
1: the Virginia's was huge. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember that one. Well, these some of these states that we're talking about are going to be where they're trying some of the most ridiculous things to try mm-hmm. to invite new teachers into the teaching system and we'll get there. Like Arizona has just gone off the rails in mm-hmm. terms of what it's trying to do to oh, yeah. recruit teachers. So let's talk a little bit about what some of these different so, states are doing. Well, it seems like not enough based on all of the data. That I'm not very sad about. But, um, okay, I found an article called The Top 10 States with the Highest Teacher Shortages. Mm-hmm. And it's from March of 2022, and it's by Sarah Harris. So here are just a few states worth mentioning and kind of what they're experiencing. In California, they have more than 13,000 teachers that are working with a substandard credentialing and okay. a large number of teachers are working on provisional staffing permits. So basically that means they might be currently pursuing a degree yeah. or a license. Yeah. But the state of California is allowing them to teach during the process. Basically, 13,000 teachers not credentialed to be regular classroom mm-hmm. teachers are currently fulfilling those yep. roles. Yes. Yep. Yeah. With some districts in California are offering $7,000 in a moving bonus. There mm. are also some pay bumps and stipends. Up to $5,000 for taking on remote or hybrid classes because of COVID. I just, so this is going to be a theme, but these little band-aids that these states are applying to this problem, like $7,000 barely pays for a move. And in fact, if you're moving a whole house, it won't won't pay for the move. So like a moving bonus is great, but you're still left at the end of the day with a huge pay cap Mm -hmm. (laughs) between you know, teachers and their peers, comparably educated peers. Uh, Anyway, it's going to be a theme with many variations. And the theme is we need to pay teachers better. So go Uh, ahead. So Nevada, Uh as of March 2021, Clark County, which is the home of the Las Vegas schools and Reno schools, they reported that they were short over 400 teachers and that those shortages affected 12,000 students, leaving them without a permanent teacher. So Nevada was also taking some steps to get more teachers in the classroom. They funded 600 praxis test preparation courses. Praxis and- is the test that you have to pass to become a credentialed educator in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some states, yeah. Yeah. And then Nevada also is distributing $20.7 million in stipends to help new teachers cover living costs, and that's why they finished their education and their student teaching stuff. So again, another... Th- throw some money at it to fix it. Throw a little bit but, of money at it right now. But not enough to make a change, I mean, okay? paying for someone to take a praxis test is, is... I mean, it's a few hundred dollars, so it's, it's nice a if you're making... It's a couple hundred dollars worth of a gesture. Like, yeah. 600 praxis exams. Like, it's just it's not a it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Um so Washington, the state, uh-huh. uh as of the 2019-2020 school year, they had a total of 1834 limited teaching certificate holders. And these limited licenses are designed as a means of granting hopeful teachers the ability to work and gain experience while becoming fully certified. And they're hoping that this is not going to be a long-term solution. Mm -hmm. So basically they awarded them to get teachers in classrooms uh, with the hope that these people would then continue on their education path. Will entice you to become permanently stuck in this underfunded, underpaid career path Mm -hmm. of doom. It is not getting any better. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh Can Indiana, you tell me a little bit depressed about this. Just a little bit depressed. Sorry. Yes, Indiana, what's our happening neighbor? over there? So they ran some studies in the fall of twenty twenty one and at least ninety six point five percent of school districts across Indiana reported teacher shortages. Oh, okay. And this included shortages in STEM and special ed. Yeah, science, technology, engineering, math. A lot, a lot of the shortages that we're seeing are happening in STEM fields. That just mm-hmm. happens to be where the, the big shortages happen. And so Indiana's hope is that um, they're going to start offering STEM teacher recruitment funds, basically to try to attract new and qualified teachers. And so they also said that as of November 2021, that some school districts are increasing teacher base pay. And also including stipends for the next two years. So that means, what, this year and it's over? Next year and it's over. So that was Indiana's hope? Yeah. Arizona. Oh, I can't wait to talk about Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Okay. Oh, Arizona. Arizona. Beginning of the 2020-2021 school year, Mm -hmm. they had nearly 800 teachers resign. And of those 800, 326 of them cited the pandemic as the primary reason for leaving. Throughout 2021, this past school year, uh, there wasn't much improvement. Uh, the school administrators struggled to fill one in five teaching positions, and at least 55% of those that were hired were not actually certified educators. Mm-hmm. And this so, is where we get sticky. Yeah. So, this is why Arizona recently made the news, um, and this is an article by Brooke Jess. This is is like last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, this is an article by Brooke Jess, and it's called, Arizona no longer requires a college degree to begin teaching. I wonder (laughs) if you can figure out where this is going. So, these are some highlights from the article, for those of you who haven't heard what's happening in Arizona, but... There are more than 200,000 people living in Arizona who are certified to teach in our public schools, this is a quote, but only 52,000 of them are teaching in There's the classroom. Because like one in four who are credentialed are actually teaching. According to the Arizona School Personnel Administrators Association, in January 2022, nearly 2,000 classrooms across the state did not have a teacher of record. I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. So this is the second time they've mentioned
1: classrooms mm-hmm. just not having teachers. Mm-hmm. What is
0: that? Is this kind of like what happens to you when you don't have enough subs to cover? You just kind of all take a shift watching over the classroom that doesn't well, have a teacher. Well, if it's a teacher of record? That's... Yeah, what does that mean? Teachers of record are are normally the people who award the grade for the completion oh. of a specific course that you are qualified to teach. So I am a teacher of record. Uh-huh. So what that means is that I am qualified to teach my courses because I'm highly qualified according to the state of Ohio. And if you do not have teachers of record, you have teachers absorbing all of these students into an English class or a science class. Uh So all that does is inflate your classroom numbers, and it would probably mean that you give up more time of your day. Yeah, but that's what I'm wondering. Like, What does it mean to have a classroom without a... I realize that you have to pick up the slack somewhere else. What it probably... If I had to guess what this wording meant, Mm -hmm. this nearly 2,000 classrooms across the state did not have a teacher of record, Mm -hmm. it meant that prior to that, these 2,000 classrooms had had a teacher of record, meaning that they're short that many people to teach these maybe core classes. Gotcha. So they went from having X amount of core, or sorry, they went from having X amount of teacher of records to this amount, which Got basically it. just means that maybe my English department is down two teachers. Mm-hmm. We so can't hire have, those two positions. now so you have now, like 45 people in a class. Exactly. Okay. okay. That That's my guess of what that would mean, because otherwise none of those classes or those... Sorry, I'm getting worked up and I'm angry over here. Mm-hmm, yeah, you're knocking stuff off i um, desk. Sorry, I didn't. I'll stop now. But what I would assume that means is just that those are how many openings that they're having uh-huh. in classrooms where they lost a position. So Does that teacher, make sense? Yeah. So basically, teachers of record are important. And when we're talking about public schools, you have to have... Somebody there to sign off on the fact yes. that you, in fact, did learn the thing that was required of you. Right. Learn. So if they're saying that they're missing two thousand classrooms, right, that don't have a teacher of record, mm-hmm. those are not people who are like study hall monitors or people like that. These are people they're not who paraprofessionals. Had, exactly. Right. Right. So that would be my best guess. But Arizona's kind of just vibing out there, so who knows what they <laughs> really mean. Arizona, um, be vibing. D- not really. Hello, Arizona. <laughs> if you are, if you live in Arizona, write to us and tell us how you're vibing. I'm, I'm gonna guess it's not great. Okay, we so do have listeners in Arizona. We do. I hope you're I Come hope on, You're okay. Maybe out. you all quit and got smart. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe you don't listen to this podcast anymore because you're just over it. Because you make a lot more money doing something <laughs> far only less one stressful. in four of you cares about this podcast anymore. That's um, all right. We forgive you. And the burnout then, is real. Ugh, Sorry. All. Sorry, go ahead. This article also stated that the teacher positions in more than 3,000 classrooms were filled using subject experts or student teachers. Oof. Okay, so subject, ex- subject experts, that means, that's like what you and I have talked about, like, uh, substitute teachers. You can teach, you can... Applied at uh-huh. t- to sub with a college degree. Like I could go be in Ohio. A you have to, yeah. I don't actually think that's true anymore. I think that in Ohio you have, to have a high school diploma. A high school diploma. I, don't I think even in Ohio. Have to have a college I think in Ohio they changed it because we also have no subs. The greatest irony of all is that we don't even have subs for the teachers who are quitting. Higher Department of Education issues one year and five year multi age substitute teaching license requirements. To applicants who meet qualifications. Blah blah blah. The requirements are... One year temporary non-bachelor's substitute teaching license. There you go. Do not allows applicants who do not hold a post-secondary degree but meet the employing school or district set of educational requirements. Well, okay, so I I know that sounds odd, but I could see that working for someone who's maybe in like their third year of college or something like that. Yeah. Who is on track to do student teaching. You know, I I think that there is some room for that. So they do definitely call that there's like a track that it's supposed to to be temporary. So substitute teaching license one or five years. Mm -hmm. Applicants for licensure will select Substitute lic- licensure teaching fields based on the post-secondary degrees they hold, bachelors mm-hmm. or higher yep. from an accredited college or university. Yep. Okay, so you do still have to have a college degree to get a what you call a permanent substitute teaching license. Yes, and by permanent it just means one or five year, but it's not this temporary sort of license. No, yeah, but I think that their hopes for the temporary were just to get subs. Yeah, but also subs aren't paid enough. Anyways, that's also true. Yeah, this mm-hmm. whole thing I mean, we should just made a flow chart. Should have just it would <laughs> just been a circle. It would have just been, don't make enough money, back to the top. Don't make enough money, back to the top. It would have just been that forever. Okay. Guess what? It's still the same. <laughs> All right. So, yes. Apologies. Back to whatever it was we were Arizona talking about. Arizona. Uh-huh. Hit the governor. Doug. Uh, Doug. He signed legislation that allows people to teach in public schools without a college degree. Uh-huh. So, Republican lawmakers are moving a bill which grants alternative teaching certificates to professionals who want to teach in charter or public schools. So... Currently, subject experts can teach in grades 6 through 12, but this new bill will expand it to K-12. This law states that a person needs only to be enrolled to get a college degree to begin teaching in public schools. Okay, so actually, they're actually enacting something that's closer to like, what Ohio's temporary substitute, substitute, substitute license yes. program is like, but yeah. for ne- for... Non-substitute teacher. Uh-huh. So the other thing that Arizona is doing, which is never going to work, is that they're enabling educators with expired licenses to renew their licenses more easily. Yeah, that's funny. Like, they think that that's actually going to bring people back. No. Let's not address any of the root causes of why people are leaving. Let's just make it easier for them to come back and see what happens. Well, and it's like, oh, did you quit because it was hard to get a license here? Like, that... That isn't what ran people out to begin with, but okay. No. But yeah, they did cite the amount of retired teachers like living in Arizona still, and it's like, well, they're, they're for. I mean, aren't there a lot of retired people in general leaving, living in Arizona? Like, people go to Arizona to retire, among other things. Right, yeah, but... Yeah. The weather is nice and balmy. Yeah, and then they take all the things that they were allergic to from the north and then ruin that for everybody, too. Oh, wow. Anyways, okay. okay. Get an um, extra grind with Arizona, it seems. Haven't you read about that? Uh, People have always talked about like moving to like Arizona, New Mexico because there are less allergens, mm. right? But what most of the people did was they took their own houseplants back with them. And it's like, well, guess what? I have not read about that, but that is very interesting. But it's like there are a lot of cases of where people move there for like healthier reasons, but they took everything with them they were already allergic to. Mm -hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Or they tried to make it look more like home. And it's like, hey, if I Home mean, if you're like where me, the allergens are. If you're like me, my allergist when I was younger was like, it's green, you're allergic to it, mm-hmm. and that's been my life. Okay, one more thing yeah. about Arizona. Yes, so they, I wanted to note that in addition to all of this pay stuff and credentialing stuff, Arizona, the state legislature out there also has this. Whole slew of bills that is opposed by the Arizona Educators Association. I'm gonna assume that's like the state That's uh, their largest um union Oh it says that Teachers Union? Look, look one line. With more than twenty thousand members, the Arizona Education Association is the largest professional oh. association for public school boys. In well Arizona. there we go. The largest teachers union in Arizona. <laughs> I did not read my own notes. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a union, but look up one line. Sorry, whoops. go ahead. The largest teachers union in, <laughs> in Arizona now that we actually know, that's what it is. Yep, confirmed. Uh, has a they, they're opposing a whole bunch of bills that are being that are on the floor. So the one that they're opposing is that credentialing change that you were just talking yeah. about. They they are opposing that bill. So the teachers union is oppo- opposing that bill. They're also opposing a whole bunch of other bills. And I'm gonna I actually put a direct link to the page of bills that they are opposing. It's just like oppose, 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 oppose. There's a little icon by each one. And it's just for like, the AEA? Oh, yeah. Okay. And they're just opposing an entire column of bills. So I ma- might be pro. I mean, that sounds. You know, I think I'm on their team. Uh, they're so they're they're opposing gag rule bills. So that basically, like bills designed to stop teachers from teaching about certain things in their classrooms. Uh-huh. We've been hearing a lot about yeah, that recently. Figured, um, figured that would come up. They're opposing a legislation that's aiming to crack down on diversity and inclusion lesson materials. So basically, oh it's like if you mention. Race or LGBT issues or any of these things that get everyone so worked up. If you even mention them, you have to provide your materials like 72 hours ahead of time. Stuff like that. I have a thought for Arizona. What's that? If you don't even have enough teachers, maybe worry less about telling them what they can and can't do. Well, they're and also worry more about just getting them in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. They're also doing things like trying to ban COVID vaccine requirements in Arizona. So teachers are not happy about that either. The AEA is against. So the teachers, you all might, these things, you might get, maybe wouldn't want to teach there because they're concerned about their own health. That's so surprising. Why would yeah. you be concerned about your health when you could be concerned about and then guess what? The money that you're not making when as a teacher. they don't require it and then they have a bunch of teachers get sick and then they can't find subs also don't pay those subs well i'm just saying if they can even get them they have to get a sub to pay them poorly true we can't even i mean that's ohio's problem we can't even get subs to yeah, pay let's, poorly let's talk about ohio actually how well, is let's what not. what are we doing here in good old ohio most of our listeners are in ohio as it turns out because we are in ohio so talk about let's talk about what ohio okay is throwing at the wall here mm-hmm. I'd love to know. Oh, well, it's a lot of the same. Remember mm-hmm. that circle? Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to just wrap one more time okay. around it. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So we have a rep in Ohio. Her name is Mary Lightbody. She's a Democrat from Westerville. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Ohio, Westerville is the home of Otterbein University, a liberal arts college, and it's a pretty affluent, I would say, area, a suburb of Columbus, uh, so, Rep. Lightbody is proposing a slew of legislation that she says will encourage former educators to return to the classroom and entice future educators to join the force. So, there's a there's a few things we have going on I, I just, here. Have these people ever talked to former educators? If you talk to a former educator, there's a reason they're former. She they're is a, a former educator. Well, I just, like, then she should know better. There, you know, there are reasons why former educators are former educators. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I mean... I just mean this like right now. I don't mean it. in I mean, general, general didn't say you're not she didn't yeah, say yeah. it would work. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like right now, if you look at them, I, I just, I'm very doubtful of this legislation that's trying to bring teachers out of retirement, I guess. It's like the past two and a half, three years have just been why teaching is so horrible on display for the entire country. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, so you think that enticing retired teachers who are like, oh my God, I finally got out of that place. Yeah. To come back and work again, it's just like, mm, yeah. maybe not. Maybe that won't work. Anyway. So one of the ideas is called House Bill 663. But uh-huh. so The thought is to provide loan repayment programs, right, support for STEM teachers. Mm-hmm. But you have to be a first-time educator. You have to agree to teach for five years at a school with, quote, persistently low performance ratings on the state report card and, quote, And basically those are places that struggle to attract STEM teachers. Yeah. So here's the deal with that. It's kind of funny because Teach for America did something very similar. They would kind of subsidize teacher training, but send you into uh, like high poverty, low performing school districts and just hope for the best. This thought that like we need to incentivize throwing teachers into the gauntlet, we need to improve the gauntlet. We can't just kind of like... Put a Band-Aid on a terrible working condition mm-hmm. and hope that somebody's going to stick it out. I, 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 mm-hmm. Why? So one of the other goals, uh-huh. because Lightbody is, quote, particularly sensitive, end quote, to the need for diverse teaching staff in Ohio schools. Mm-hmm. They are trying to introduce a bill aimed at minimizing the financial barriers barriers to earning a degree. That's good So, it's called House Bill 667 And it would launch a, quote, grow your own teacher program <laughs> What? Which would make me never want to become a teacher Like a chia pet? Okay Grow your own teacher program Grow your own sad educator Who starts going gray the moment that they start teaching kids Who is always broke And who has nothing left to live but Lexapro You only have to water her right. once a week She thrives on depression Lack of light And no time for herself No <laughs> oh, way, <wait>, that's me <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the bill, uh, we're going to grow our own teachers, which is still so weird to me that that's actually... That's a really weird name for this bill. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Grow I'm your own so teacher. I'm so overwhelmed it... by the name of it that I can't remember what I'm talking about. Okay, We have a branding they, problem here. They're going to award up to $7,500 in scholarships to low-income high schoolers looking to pursue a degree or certificate in education to grow your own teacher with a little grow lamp in your basement grow your so you own can teacher. water it all year long reminds me like like the earth day trees they send home the I like the chia pet, the why not like stick with that a teacher, chia pet grow your own a teacher, pet alright Wow. Uh, uh, I know I'm, I'm poking fun at this. I'm glad they're trying to I do am. something. But... No, this is ridiculous. $7,500 yeah, $7, is not enough money. Again, I just like... $7, it's $7, not 500... enough money. If we are trying to... Y'all know what inflation is like right now. If you are trying to support the need for diverse teaching staff and you're going to throw 7500 that's not anything. When you talk about a four-year degree program for most people, that's like Books. I'm sorry. Barely. I I refuse to support grow your own teacher program (laughs) because I just I if anyone had ever told me like oh you're gonna be in the grow I would not have become a teacher if the option was to complete the grow your own teacher program unless it made me taller. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Politicians they think that they have clever names for things, and it just feels like. No. The government is so no. woefully behind how to communicate with the people who are entering the job market. That that's really a kind of problem. you know that this branding is like potted plants and like shovels. I'm sure I'm just like picturing the the and green like smiling sun. Yeah, the green leaf clip art that is going to fuel Clippy, Clippy is going to make some <laughs> green leaves. Holding a rake. Clippy <laughs> is holding a rake and it is and somewhere there's a teacher on the ground. Being, being buried. in the ground. Nope, okay. Oh, being buried in the ground. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> that's that's okay. actually what it feels like. This is a teacher scene. Hello, the growing your own teacher, you have to be buried alive first. We're going to bury alive a teacher, <laughs> water it. This is the Ohio Department of Education. <laughs> okay, well, anyways. We're coming a little bit unglued about what governments are trying to do to improve this situation because it's actually really not that helpful. Okay, the last thing yeah. about our great state. Uh-huh. It's called House Bill 554 unanimously passed the House in late May of 2022 and says that the Higher Department of Ed is required to provide non-renewable two-year temporary educator licenses to those whose licenses have expired. So long as the recipient completes either 18 continuing education units or six semester hours of coursework during the duration of the temporary license. So essentially, this is for someone whose license either they let go out or they quit teaching and left and didn't renew it or who retired so they're going to give them a chance to come back for two years probably start minimum of the year you know what i mean i'm trying to imagine they'd what still that would have be to, they'd still have to recertify and you for their still regular have to recertify yeah. in the two years yeah These people quit or left for a reason. Making them do this is not doing anything. If I was some retired person and I was reading this, I would totally stick it to them. I'd be like, give me my two years. I'd go do it for two years. I wouldn't do any of those hours and i get out. What are you going to do? Why would somebody want to do that? Okay. Anyways... (laughs) It makes me so mad because it's not actually doing anything helpful. Yeah. We actually did a whole thing about credentialing and professional development and the requirements that teachers... It's a whole episode. I forget the episode number, but it's one of ours. We talked about all of this. Go back and listen to that because on top of everything that we're talking about, the lack of pay, the all, all of this stuff, teachers are also required to pay their own way into their credentialing, basically. So, But imagine you've left teaching maybe for 10 years, maybe for 15 years, who knows how long. They want you to come back, so they'll give you two years. So you're basically a first-year teacher again. Yeah. And then on top of being a first-year teacher for two more years, they want you to also do continuing credit and i'm sure that comes with a first-year teacher pay scale that's what well. i mean they're they're probably not going to pay you more than 10 years experience regardless of what you have i'm sorry if you're thinking about it good for you we need you but don't do it <laughs> okay so one I, last note yeah current law requires educators not currently employed in a high school to prior to the awarding of a license complete either six semester hours of coursework or a variety of professional development courses according to the high department of ed oh okay that's the fine print oh okay I just wanted to throw that out there as a legal disclaimer. Fine. Legal disclaimer. <laughs> From non qualified legal, okay. non experts. I'm against okay. grow your own teacher. I'm fine with the $40,000 of debt, hope, like student loan forgiveness. I wish it was more than just STEM teachers because, if anything, we've learned it's not just STEM teachers that we don't have, it's every teacher. But, you know, if we start a large enough farm, we can grow plenty of teachers and then we won't have to worry about it. <laughs> Sorry, Intel. <laughs> Sorry, Intel. <laughs> you can't build a chip factory here. We have to grow our own teachers. <laughs> You're growing your own teacher factory. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, so I put uh, this whole section of takeaways for this. I think which we is know. is just me ranting. Your third uh, point. I'm feeling very good about what Chelsea's written here. I'm very mad. I think we've probably already said all of this. We have. Let's Let me start just, from the top. Yes. Okay, wait. One more time. The circle. Back to the, the top. The circle. Back to the top. Okay. Okay. Just a very quick rundown here. These are my thoughts about systemic changes we need to make to make teaching a more attractive career choice we for qualified people. Be more supportive in our funding of education. Yeah, maybe we should stop defunding education is the number maybe. one point. You, all these emergency measures like we're talking about, they don't address the chronic underfunding of education. They are temporary band-aids. They are not looking to the future. They are not setting up this country for long-term success in educational, like in recruiting teachers. They just aren't. State legislators should not be in the business Of telling teachers what to teach in their classrooms. Stop with the gag orders. Stop with the book bannings. Stop with bills requiring educators to make materials available to parents so the parents can make sure they're not offended by whatever this teacher is teaching. When you've grown enough teachers, then think about it. But not until you've grown enough. Parents are out of control. (laughs) I will put put that politely, but parents are absolutely... All of my friends who are teachers... The stories that they tell me about how badly parents behave, it's no wonder people are burning out of this career because the parents are w- worse than the students, and the students are often difficult uh, in terms of behavior. <laughs> yeah. In terms of behavior. Yeah, there are a bunch of activists running for school boards across mm-hmm. the country right now, so if you don't want your public school to become increasingly the sort of place where book bannings and gag orders happen, consider putting your name in for a race in your local public school board. And then a final, a final musing on top of all that. We really need to reevaluate on a systems wide level, the sorts of jobs and careers that we treat as valuable and laudable and worthy of good compensation. We need to rethink How we do all of that. And this is not directed at anyone in particular because it's a society wide issue. But we see our media spending outsized amounts of time focusing on loud jerks. Uh, So, like, we've got like Elon Musk obsession and Silicon Valley obsession and the lauding of very loud politicians, things like that. We have a lot of institutions, media, government, all of these things. We have a lot of institutions that prop up an idea of success. That is, I mean, right now it's largely driven by technology. I I think this way of worshipping heroes in Silicon Valley, we need to reevaluate that because it's kind of melting our brains in terms of how we think about jobs and job training and career readiness and education generally. We are saying, the thing that matters is making the most money the quickest. And uh, we aren't setting ourselves up for success as a society when we think that way so there's really no way to directly address that but but thinking about teaching and teachers as a career uh, of service to humanity that w- that would be we, yeah. sh- we should pay the people who are doing the best service to humanity and educating future generations it should be the number one job mm-hmm. that all of us are most worried about yeah well said I, we just. That's a good way. That's stop. a good way to put it. We have to stop defunding education. We do. That was it. That was my my little podium. I had to get I think onto. You did at a the great job. Thank you for saying all that. I just, of that. I mean, I didn't put in all of the swear words that I had in there, so I, I self censored. You don't have me? that many bleeps. that be only more bleeps a, than all the bleeps so only far. Only a couple bleeps. Okay. So. Anything else? No. What about you? What are your thoughts on all of this? Um, it's a circle. Um, just back to the top. No, I just think we really need to do a Reagan a Reagan episode because yeah. the the numbers uh, you can see how they used to be much better and have declined. Uh, you know the wage gap thing that we were talking about between teachers and peers in I just similar fields. Don't want fields. to research Reagan. Yeah, well for that. Long. Well, that's what I'm saying though is that those attitudes from the 80s essentially created the conditions that we have now, no and no, I I just don't want to research about them that much. I don't either. It's okay. going to be a very depressing episode. That's no, not. Not next week no 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 not next episode not not until we're good and this one was pretty depressing um we got to be good and energized to tackle the good ship reagan i'll be waiting no i think what you're talking about is exactly the case and i think one of the things that covid sort of did that i I know i personally got tired of hearing about was that you know when when pushed remote and having to do that kind of learning it became well why are we teaching or why are we paying teachers when i'm the one teaching my kids and uh If anything, I I had hoped that that COVID original lockdown would show just how valuable we are. Mm -hmm. And I think it somehow turned into, well, I just sat at home with him and I can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you weren't actually doing the thing that, that I did. That version do. of teaching is not what my classroom is. Right. Um, no, could it be for some? Sure. I'm just not that teacher. Well, there's a reason there have been achievement gaps post pandemic. Right. And that's so, because these kids were at home with their parents yeah, and didn't do a very right. good job. Right. And, and yes. it's not, you know, not to put it on the parents either, because I'm sure they did the best they could with what they had as well. But I, I'd hope to be um, more respected. And we came out being less respected. Mm -hmm. And as long as communities aren't valuing educators, uh, then who will? Yep. So that's what causes students to treat teachers the way that they do. That's what causes parents to treat people the way that they do. So um, it's just one more cycle. Yep. Okay. I will let you do the last episode's question. Okay. Okay. So last episode, we talked about all about ask hands. Mm Mm-hmm. Astronaut um, candidates. No, just ask kids. I really love that episode. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. And that makes me never want to research Reagan because we could be talking about astronaut candidate school. But this question came from that episode. Yeah. So, Chelsea? Yep. So this is fill in the blank. Again, fill in the blank. We ask questions every week. If you would like to write in to us with the answer and say hello, it's hello at 16 to one dot com all spelled out. Hello at 16 to Just write in, say hi, we'll send you a sticker. We got another request for a sticker this week. I got to get that one out in the mail. But yeah, just write in, say hi. We'd love to hear from you. So, last week's question. In 1967, the US and USSR were rushing to establish space programs. Both countries faced serious design challenges and political pressures that catapulted them toward launch dates and interfered with due diligence to design and manufacturing problems. Crews from both countries experienced fatalities on pioneering missions. On January 27, 1967, the crew of the first crewed Apollo mission were killed in a fire that swept through their spacecraft cabin during a ground test less than a month before the planned February 21st launch. On April 24th of 1967, the single pilot of Soyuz 1 became the first in-flight spaceflight fatality. After a flight plagued with power problems and a period of uncontrollable capsule spin, the craft's parachute system failed to deploy properly during entry, and Soyuz 1 exploded into a ball of fire upon landing. What was the name of the cosmonaut who was killed on Soyuz 1? His name was Vladimir Komarov. Hmm. It's too bad. Yeah. Both of those missions were big setbacks for their respective <sighs> space programs, but yeah. Okay. All right. This episode's question. Okay. In the United States, an upper secondary school teacher with 15 years of teaching experience makes about $65,200 a year on average, according to the latest salary data from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. That puts the U.S. behind Ireland, Australia, the Netherlands, Canada, and Germany, as well as this country, which leads the world in teacher pay with an average pay of $109,200 for upper secondary teachers with 15 years of teaching experience. So what is that country? Yep. I'm interested in that, in that place all of a sudden. They also lead the way in, uh, well, they're, they're high up there in educational attainment as well. Yeah, so it makes you makes wonder sense. how they're related. Yeah. Okay. We have kind of a joint what we learned. We do. In this episode. We do. So I'm just going to say mine really quickly. First of all, a listener told me that I said I didn't like boats. Did I say that? I'm unsure. That you don't I, like boats? I don't think I said I don't like boats. I definitely like water. She I don't, likes boats. She likes I don't water. I do the work. Uh huh. You don't want to own a boat. I want a friend with a boat. You want a friend like a who big has a boat. boat. Right, I want right, right. like a a chilling boat. Like I can go down under and you know take a nap kind uh-huh, of boat. I mean uh-huh. like that. You want a V berth? I don't can... think I said I don't like boats. Okay, but for the boating community, I am sorry. Sorry to the boating um, community. <laughs> okay, I don't know who you are, but apparently you're listening. Okay, <laughs> here That's we go. What you learned this? Past no, I mean is I think that I already you, knew that, like but boats. I had somebody ask me that, and I was like, oh gosh, did I say that? And I literally asked Chelsea. I was like, "Did I say I don't like boats? Because they're saying I did, and I don't remember." I that. think you shut down my my dreams of boat ownership. I okay. Anyways, you might have done that. We'll go. We'll revisit that. Okay. Uh, Post recording. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. I I'm gonna be honest. I'm sure I've learned a lot recently, but my TikTok app is a kind of buggy because I did the iOS 16 update, so I don't get my extended TikTok viewing anymore. So I went back to an audiobook. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think that's what people do. People read. People read books when they want to learn things. Did you know not that? watch TikTok? Okay. Um, Did you know that they read books? It's probably uh, some foreign country intercepting my TikTok app. But regardless, I've finished the Brandy Carlisle book, Broken Horses. She's one of Chelsea and I's favorite artists. Incredible voice and just great story. And so it's read by her, which you know I'm a sucker for any sort of nonfiction that's read by the person it's mm-hmm. about or who wrote it. Really, really great book. Such an interesting story. And just so many fun things to learn about, like, music icons. She talks about Elton John as Elton and Joni Mitchell as Joni. My friends Elton and Joni. Yeah, and so it's just, it. you feel like you're sitting in a room hearing her just, like, tell you about Joni Mitchell and Elton John and all of these great people that she knows. So it was just, I like I said, I'm a sucker for that kind of book. It's a great escape for me. And so uh, I just read, uh, like I said, Brandy Carlisle's book. It's called Broken Horses. And I will link it, an option to buy it, from our favorite bookstore, The Book Loft Mm -hmm. in Columbus, Ohio. If you ever click on our links for a book we've recommended, we always do our best to link it to The Book Loft because they are a local place. uh, One of our favorite places to go on a rainy day. And so if you'd like to check it out, I will link it for you to purchase. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we both learned, Chelsea and I did some combo uh we listened to the book the color of law by richard rothstein yes so he is affiliated with what i was talking about before the economic policy institute that's why i was coming back up but this guy this is actually a 2017 book which i thought it was more recent i did too because it must have just had a moment in the media or something how did we hear about this book? i don't know but i recently heard about okay. it okay but it is a 2017 book we borrowed it on libby we did on using our, our our, our library, card. our local public library provided this service to us. All of the things. So, we read this book. It's called The Color of Law. Rothstein's stated purpose in this book is to show how federal, state, and local governments not only tacitly supported but also really actively promoted explicit policies and laws and guidelines that have resulted in race based segregation in the American housing market. Mm-hmm. So, this book, it was so dense with data. Just so dense. It is. Dense, it's very heavy. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a difficult read. It's, it's not too long, but there's just, there's so much research. There's so much data. It's an incredible argument. Uh, yeah. It's not an argument. It's it's fact. Well, he does have an ar- He He is making an argument. The argument he's making is that we have a constitutional obligation to remedy these situations because mm-hmm. they were government policies. So, his kind of motivation in all this was a couple of Supreme Court rulings. The Supreme Court was like, "Yeah, we recognize this is a problem and it's very sad and if we could prove that the government's policies Had, are what yeah. caused this these material conditions, then we could ameliorate them because of a constitutional obligation. But we can't really show that this has anything to do with government policy. We can only show it's motive. you know, it's because of racially motivated individuals taking action that this all happens. Mm. Those have been the Supreme Court's arguments against, uh, well, I guess, Supreme Court's arguments in certain court cases that have to do with housing discrimination. So basically this guy's like, that's a false assumption based on incorrect facts. Now I'm going to give you all of the facts that you need Mm -hmm. for these arguments. To show why we have this constitutional obligation. So the evidence really is kind of overwhelming. He talks a lot about the Federal Housing Authority, and the Homeowners Loan Corporation, Hulk uh, so the FHA and Hulk and their practice of redlining, that's one of the main kind of discussions in the book is about redlining. If you haven't heard of redlining, it's the practice of marking up real estate maps, but you mark mark them up in terms of risk assessments or you know how safe a neighborhood is and those maps which are mostly made up things according yeah. to the fact yeah. they were made up by people who were racially motivated so among other things but you just got to read the book so it's just like all these the redlining the practice of redlining means that loans would not be granted to housing developments where integration was intentional mm-hmm. uh, among other things so just, just tons of stuff they were like Neighborhoods making covenants among people who live there to say, okay, we will not sell our houses to any black families. Mm-hmm. That you, you would like move into a neighborhood as a white family and then they'd come to your house and get you to sign this housing covenant saying that you would not sell your house. And then they talk about the communities most affected by, like, white flight and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and a lot of talk um, about how all that happens. They talk about favorable loan amortization schedules gosh. for white families and black families not having the same, so they can't amass equity in their homes because of these Hulk and FHA policies. Mm-hmm. Just Or when they do, it's out of much, yeah. Fascinating yeah. stuff. Just fascinating stuff. And a lot of talk about how a lot of these housing-related issues caused generational wealth gaps between black and white families Mm -hmm. so like you know just all of these problems that we generally throw up our hands and say oh well too bad we ended up where we ended up but there's nothing we can do about it now it's the whole project is to just present all of the data that shows why we do have a responsibility to do something about this at the federal level among other things but anyway yeah it's a good book it, it's worth the read it's very it it's very dry but it's it's in also enraging for for a book that is all about housing market data and analysis of mm-hmm. policy federal law and stuff like that it's it still managed to wind me up yeah I got did. real wound up I would just sit there and like shake my head and like make irritated noises while we were listening to this audiobook because it's so <laughs> It's so hard to listen to. Like, I have to agree. Yeah, you watch me. You watch me be really frustrated the whole time we were listening. So it's called the Color of Law. Yeah, by Richard Rothstein. Uh, We found that on Libby. If you haven't used that, or to check your local library, I will include a link to the Color of Law as well. uh, If you'd like to purchase it, it's a heavy book for sure. Just so much data. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of a lot of money words that I wasn't super familiar with. So it was a lot of us being like, "Wait, what is, you know, uh, what's that mean? What kind of a loan is yeah, this?" Yeah, I learned a lot about um all of that stuff too. Just but the I think housing market generally. I think it's important reading. Well, um, it's also important right now when you consider what's going on in the housing market right now sure. in this country because yeah. the the, part, the other part of his point is that this stuff is still going on <laughs> because yeah. because of a whole bunch of reasons. But so all this housing market crisis basically that's going on right now is is it's exacerbating and has been exacerbated by a lot of the conditions discussed in this book so um yep worth a read yeah it it certainly is i could probably use that book for the next year or something i've learned i just wanted to be a sponge uh next book for me is a book about stevie Nicks. so really going back into my happy hole your happy hole. Of Do you have anything on deck? The Lady Musicians. Book-wise? Yeah. Do we have anything else on our list? I mean, I'm still falling down my hole of internet and psychology-related. Yeah. yeah. the way the internet is impacting us. Yeah. And I've got several books checked out that I need to finish we, up. So We are going to read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> yeah. That's on our list. Well, we read Hidden Valley Road. Right. So we felt, and it referenced that book quite a bit. Um, so we're going to read that. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of in a, in a mental... A mental break before one flew over the cuckoo's uh, nest. A mental break from mental health discussion. Yes. <laughs> um, but, as always, if you have any books you'd love to share, please do. Yeah, write us in. We, we love f- your recommendations. We do. We, we like your podcast recommendations. We've listened to some of those. Yeah, we, we have. Like your book recommendations. So, And we actually need some more books on... We really don't have any books on deck. I'm like trying to think. We write in and tell us what to read. We like to learn stuff. It doesn't really matter what it is. We like to learn about it. Okay. Thank you for hanging out with us. We will see you in, will it be August? Well, we'll see you. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Hope you're enjoying your summer and we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. 16 to 1 we're trying to grow our audience so please check us out at 16 to 1.com all spelled out and tell your friends about the show on our website you can find links to follow us on social media an archive of all our old episodes and a contact form where you can get in touch thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next show you want to do a solo show yeah go ahead it's called we just go outside and scream at the sun for five minutes and that's it